ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Manic Movie Misfits podcast. I am half of your hosts, John. And I'm the other guy, Trevor. Yeah. I'm trying to mix it up, TJ. Okay, yeah. I always say... <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. I always say I'm your host, Sean Phillips, but I wanted to change it up to something, so I'm half of your hosts. Is I thought the... you were going to say I'm half of your host, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't... I was about to, and then I was like, well, that wouldn't work. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So... I just decided to go half of your host. So we'll just go with it, and yeah. it'll work. It'll be yeah. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. TJ, how is, how's life? Uh, it's only been like two days since we, we last recorded one of these, so like... It, it, That's it, true. It hasn't been too bad. That's good. Nothing happened here. Yeah, we're about to enjoy some lovely food tomorrow for Thanksgiving with our families. Yes, we are. Oh my God, it's already Thanksgiving. It's already Thanksgiving, and being that it's Thanksgiving, we decided, hmm... What is a good movie that incorporates family or aspects of Thanksgiving that's, again, a high-quality movie? And we thought, well, hell, Fast and Furious is the most quality family movie out there, really. Oh, my God. And what better way to, again, incorporate Thanksgiving in an episode than talking about family and the Fast and Furious movie, the first one in particular? Yeah. Genius idea, right? Truly genius. I mean, we could have done, like, an actual Thanksgiving movie, like, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles or something. No. Yeah. This is a Thanksgiving movie at heart. It's like, if people want to say that, if you want to say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, I can say that Fast and Furious is Thanksgiving Thanksgiving movie. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is genius. Fight me. Fight me. Find me and fight me. Ah. But before we get to the Fast and Furious... I always, get, I always get the Fast and the Furious and Fast and Furious confused because Fast and Furious is the title of the fourth one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's the Fast and the Furious and the Fast and Furious. Yeah. Which is really weird. They, it took them a little bit to get on their feet to find the rhythm for the franchise. Yeah, to really, like, get into, like, what everyone likes, it truly does take. Until the fifth one. Honestly, yeah. Like, the, fir- the first few aren't bad, but, yeah, like, you, you see, like, you really see, like, the aspects of what people like coming together in, like, the later ones. Yeah. The The second one... The second one's, like, the comedy one. The second one's more, like, where they find their comedy beats. Mm-hmm. Third one is... Get, we get introduced to Hong, which is, like, one of the most iconic characters of the mo- of the franchise. I'd say it's kind of more, like, you start seeing some of the more ridiculous aspects of the series. Because, like... That's fair. Uh, when the first one's kind of, like, the main characters... And like Dom and Paul, uh, not Paul, because that's the actor, uh, Brian, that's his name, and like Letty and all them, who are kind of like more the main faces of the series. And you establish them. Well, to... we're, to- we're talking about Tokyo Drift, I thought. Oh, well, yeah, well, I was going to run through. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Two go is ahead. kind of the comedy, and like some, it's like the starter of the ridiculousness. And then I think three is kind of like truly where it gets like a little more ridiculous. And we get one of the best car chase scenes in the franchise. Yeah. You start getting, like, yeah, the, the crazy action, the fun chases, the uh, kind of, like, like fun side characters kind of come up. Yeah. And then 4 kind of establishes, like, a little bit of the darker sense. That one's not that good. It isn't. Uh, but, like, you do kind of start seeing, like, the darker movie kind of thing. Because it, it kind of wants to be, like, that, like, post-Dark Knight, like, action movie darkness that a lot of things tried to have. But Fast and Furious, and that's kind of dumb. And then in five, they just absolutely killed it. Yeah, five is where like they take like all the best aspects, like 
what was actually good about like the darker segments of four, uh, the kind of the ridiculous plot, the the comedy, the main characters, all combine them into one, and make this like, like the best movie of the series. Honestly, you could say that Bond endings inspired to a certain extent some of these Fast and Furious endings with how absurd Bond endings were. Maybe not inspired. Maybe inspired isn't the right word, but definitely introduced cinema to like some very outlandish plot endings. Oh yeah. A la, you only live twice with the volcano turning into you know this <laughs> missile silo. missile silo thing. Of course, you know the spy who loved me with the base that just rises out of the water. Yeah. Moonraker, of course, is extremely outlandish. Yeah. They, I, um. They're not like yeah, they're not like crazy bond endings, but like I do see where you're going with like like they get insane towards the end, like with like all their big plot points, like I mean the eighth one is them taking out a submarine or something like that. Yeah. And then the sixth one is them somehow catching up up to a plane that's taking off. Mm-hmm. Which is truly I mean, genius. <laughs> I, I would I would go that far because you have stuff in like the ninth one where they go into space. Too, yeah. Bond goes into space essentially, deals with space stuff. Goes into space, he does in Moonraker, which you were. It, it's the, honestly it's the exact same thing because with both franchises, you're thinking why that never would have thought something like that would have happened, and it does. So yeah, I'm I'm applauding myself for that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think yeah they slowly get more insane as they go. I think. Yeah, that's fair. All right, but we should. Take a pause because we have some other stuff that we okay. want to get to before we talk about the first one specifically. The first, furnace is on. Son of a... The first Faf movie. Fafo. Fafo Furious. I like calling them Faf. I like calling them Faf movies. I mean, you have like the Five Nights at Freddy's craze where it's like calling it FNAF. <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah, that's how people refer to Five Nights at Freddy's for like the longest time. Dude, that used to be so popular. I know, like, I think it was in middle school where, yeah, was, for me, for us. Yeah. Um, I want to, yeah, I want to say it was eighth grade was the first one. And the first one destroyed the internet. I said the first two did. Then they started losing traction, but oh my god. Where, where did they produce it? Where were these games being released on your phone, I think, right? Uh, they came out on the computer. Oh, on but the computer. Then, okay. Yeah, it was just the one guy, and he was like, I guess I'm making a horror game. And then he made, like, the biggest, what sounds like the biggest games, like, in the last, like, ten years. I'm pretty sure they made a movie of it, didn't they? They were planning on it. Uh, I Look think they still up. might actually be in the works for that. Because I know they wrote books for it. Because, <laughs> like, apparently the lore is just so dense that it's, like, it's insanity. I've, I've meant to, like, read up on it because, like, I, I know it, it'll embrace me, like, my inner 12-year-old, but, like, Apparently it's like weird, and I'm like, I kind of want to finally figure out what the hell's happening. Dude, Chris Columbus was gonna direct it. What? Yep. The Chris Columbus, the guy who did Harry Potter. It says Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Jason Blum reveals Chris Columbus is no longer directing, but the film is still happening. This was published this year on September. What? And Jason Blum is producing it? Oh God. They do all the. Jason Blum is one of those, from my understanding, is one of those production companies where they still make low-budget films that genuinely make several million dollars and do really well at the box oh, yeah. office. I, th- I think that's kind of their whole ploy, right? Most of it is, yeah. Very rarely do you actually get, like, a Blum movie that's actually, like, really good. Because, I mean, like, 
Get Out's a good, pretty good blood movie, and uh, Happy Death Day isn't too bad. It's it's a good meta horror movie. It's like the Groundhog's Day of horror movies, which is really funny. Um, but like, yeah, most of it's just like Fantasy Island, and I'm trying to think of other ones that I can't really think of because they're not that great. I think uh, Countdown, the one with like a phone app that counts down to your death. That one's big dumb. Yeah. I didn't see that one with my friends, and I low-key hated it. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at Fantasy Island right now just to like oh the movie, just to see what the box office was. Oh, uh, well, it came out towards like at the beginning of COVID, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little low. Well, no, it came out before COVID. Do you have? Do you seriously have to be a member to look at box office stuff on IMDb? Probably. Jeez. Um, All right, I'll just look it up. Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, good idea. Uh, that came out Valentine's Day. I remember it because we were sitting in a living room playing Fortnite. Because that was like the first <laughs> Fortnite right. night. And I remember looking at oh, that story. And uh, he was going to see Fantasy Island. And Fantasy Island. Because I forgot it was coming out. Uh, 2020. My so my computer is having seizures right I now. I can see that. <laughs> what work? Please. <laughs> you want me to do it? Yeah, do it. Okay. Uh, but that's just I haven't. I don't think I've ever actually seen a Blumhouse movie. Have you? Oh, or you seen you seen Fantasy Island? I know that. Oh, I've seen a few. Yeah. Um. Let me. Let me just. I. I don't know. They just never okay. really caught my attention. Because most of them weren't that good. Right. Oh, uh, okay. It made it had a budget of seven million and it made forty eight point eight. That's what I'm talking about, and that's what I've kind of heard from. Oh yeah. From people is that is genuinely the that's the way they go about making films and that for that production company and kind of their their reputation. Yeah, uh, I'd say the biggest ones are The Purge. Uh, uh, do you know? You know what a Ouija board is, right? Yeah. They made movies about those. The guy who did Doctor Sleep did the second one. It's actually pretty good, apparently. Um, huh. The Visit by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, uh, yes. Split. Uh, Get Ooh, Out. Split's probably one of their best ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I have seen, I've seen Split, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the later Insidious movies. Uh, the Halloween remake. Or not remake, like long sequel. 2018. Mm. Uh, Happy Death Day. Us. Uh, the re- Black Christmas remake. Oh boy. Um, the Invisible Man, The Hunt, which was pretty good. I like that one. Isn't that with Mads Mikkelsen, or am I thinking of something uh, else? Different The Hunt. Oh. There is yeah. There's that one which is like by the guy who did Another Round, which is another great movie from him. Which that's the only one I've seen. Um, but this one is about where these rich people essentially force other people into like hunger games and it's it's okay it's it's a good dark comedy it has a hillary swank in it yeah she besides million dollar baby she's really kind of done mostly smaller stuff yeah from what i've kind of found with her filmography yeah Yeah. uh, oh yeah but other than that real quick uh other than how like some of the halloween stuff now they just have i think Chloe Zhao is making a new uh, uh, Dracula movie. 
And I think I Interesting. that. And then... She's a pretty hot filmmaker right now. Director. Yeah. Gotta love Chloe Zhao. Yeah. And then uh, the new uh, movie from the guy who made uh, Doctor Strange. It has Ethan Hawke in it. And he was... wasn't Was he going to direct the next Doctor Strange, but then left because of creative differences, was it, with Marvel? Yeah. And then they hired uh, Sam Raimi. Which I think we both are totally fine with. Oh, of course. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Sam Raimi. No. He's not... He has good... He has... One of the most iconic. He has an iconic horror franchise. Yeah, and a superhero franchise. Exactly. He just is going to combine both. Yeah. What could go wrong? Not much, I think. Anyway, yes. So that is enough randomness. For yeah. For now. Yeah. We before we get to Faf, the Fast and the Furious, the first one. Oh God. Let's discuss what we watched recently, which was sort of recently. Open Range. Oh, yeah. That's one of the topics we wanted to get to. It was on our group movie list for a long, long, long time. Oh, yeah. How long has it been? Like four years? Ever since we started the list. Yeah, I think. And we still have something else that's on there from like that time. Um, we saw what? There's something else that was like from around that time that we still have not watched. I don't remember what it is. Well, there's a river runs through it. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And these were were two movies that I wanted to show the group. I personally wanted to show the group. And we finally got to open range. We still need to do a river runs through it. It's on Netflix. We we pretty much added it the same time that we added Pulp Fiction. And we got to Pulp Fiction right away. And we didn't get to the other two. Yeah. I was going to say Pulp Fiction we got too fast. And The Man on Fire was like a year-ish. And then open range was like four <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much it, it was pretty bad i can't say personally obviously because i've already seen it but would you say it was worth the wait i liked it yeah um i mean can't run with kevin costner so yeah and it, it, i thought it was just a really good western just in general i thought the cast was really good uh i liked seeing uh the one guy from road one as a young young actor yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was around in like 2002 or three. Diego Luna, I believe yeah. his name is. Yeah. Um, I thought he was more of a recent guy, but apparently he's been around for almost 20 years. Um, and you can't go wrong with Dumbledore, Michael Gambon, or the later Dumbledore. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, Kevin Costner, Robert Duvall. I really liked the, the actions. The whole action sequence at the end was great. Oh that whole God. climax was great. Yeah, the last like what is it like the last like 30 minutes in the movie it's it's just really like it's super satisfying to see everything come together and then like kind of this big action scene that i mean you told me that it was like a big action scene but if i were watching it by myself i would not really been expecting that because like before like up to that point it's kind of been a quiet movie like there's no like real big action in the movie you're you're right there is actually there's no fight scenes there's no until the end yeah, the, the only, like, action is, like, uh, a stand-up, or not, like, a stand-up, like, a, a stick-up, like, for the, 30 the, minutes in, yeah. Yeah, the campfire, whether at the campfire, right, yeah. is what you're referring to, yeah. And then, um, like, like, a little tense sequence when they're in the diner, when they go back to town. That was good. I, that was, oh. a, that was some great, um. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the term? What am tenseness. I looking? Tenseness. There's great tenseness there. It's a good job by the 
I guess just the whole crew in general with the the way that it was shot to add that sort of tense feeling. Yeah, it makes and, it, it makes the like the diner feel really small and claustrophobic. Yeah, and the and the choreography I think too where the characters were placed may help that a lot as well. Yeah, I think that scene is that's that's my favorite scene in the movie. I think okay, yeah, is same. the is the yeah bar yeah. scene yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I haven't I haven't seen too many westerns. Like I, I like westerns and I like watching them, but I don't I don't seek them out. Right. Um, I have kind of recently. I like said in I think in the last podcast I started watching uh the Dollars trilogy, and I'll probably watch a few more with John over break. Uh, I'll force him to watch some. Force me. <laughs> yes, we're gonna watch One Eye Jacks. <laughs> TJ, how do you? I love westerns. Why I don't need to be forced. Oh, I, I will force you every every night. Westerns, westerns are my favorite genre. <laughs> you don't have to force me to watch westerns. <laughs> yes. Um. Or we could just watch the Lodge cooking video up there. Oh, dude, I think we might need to do a podcast episode on that. Oh, my God. We need... Phone? (laughs) That was ESPN. Oh, the Espen. The Espen. But, yeah, other than that... um... Yeah, it was really good. It's... I haven't seen... There isn't... It's kind of sad that Westerns aren't really made anymore. Like yeah. they were. I think, yeah, they, we've kind of grown out of them in, like, movie senses. Which, to a certain extent, I'm fine with. Yeah. But, at the same time, I wish there was more than what they're making now. Yeah. Because very rarely do we actually get a Western movie now, because... The, re- the, the recent one that came out is The Harder They Fall, which yeah. is on Netflix. I, I'm interested to watch that one. That looks pretty good. I like the actor. I mean, well, I say I like the actor. I've only seen him play... Um, Oh, you talking, talking Jonathan Majors? Yeah, I've only seen him play Kang. Oh yeah, he, I mean the movie itself has a great cast to it. Yeah. It has it? Uh, what's her name from? Uh, oh, Regina King, Idris Elba, Lakeith Steinfeld, uh, Zizi Bates. Uh, do you do you do you? I can't say it. Window guy, the guy <laughs> okay. who's the guy who's from The Wire. Okay. Anyway, um, I think that's all the like some of the really big people like. And I've heard it's a really fun western. It's like it's like a fun action western. Um, but besides that, the ones that stick out to me, I mean, you have the re- remake of Magnificent Seven, which is all right. Uh, you got Sisters Brothers, which has a uh, Joaquin Phoenix. You have a couple ones with Bale, Three Ten to Yuma, oh, which uh, is a remake as well. Yeah, Hostels. Hostels. Is, uh, you got one, oh, what's the one with Michael Fassbender? It's an A twenty four movie. Uh, Slow West. Okay. That's pretty, pretty good. Um, uh, well, I was going to say Hell or High Water, but that's more of a neo-Western. Uh, I see, I see like, the last really big one is uh, The Assassination of Jesse James. Yeah. Which is, un- uh, you know, it is unfortunate, but at the same time, I understand that there needs to be, you're making way for more, you're making way for different movies coming in. And the age of the Western had its time, which is good that it's had its time. Oh, yeah. And it's time to give it up to other film genres, which, again, I'm fine with, but also not fine with, considering how much I love Westerns. But in the end, it's all good, because we got plenty of great ones. We could talk about Westerns. You could have a whole podcast on Westerns and never actually get to all of them, so. Oh, God, no. It'll be fun to watch more of them, because, obviously... There's a lot of them that I haven't seen, or you haven't seen, so. Yeah. Um. But back to, um, 
Back to open range. Oh, yeah. I think it is definitely my favorite modern Western movie. The ones that I've seen. From the ones that I've seen. <clears throat> not neo-Western. I, I don't really categorize. I don't really include both of those in the same category. Just they're, they're so different. much different. Yeah. I mean, No Country for Old Men is totally different from open range. Same thing with Hell or High yeah. Water. Yeah, they have the same, like, vibe. But, like, aesthetically and, like, the like when you actually like, kind of come down to it, they feel very different. Oh, I forgot to mention True Grit also oh. came out. But that's, again, Another a remake. remake. So yeah, there's yeah. been three big remakes from off the top of my head that I can think of this yeah. in the 21st century with Westerns. Yeah. And not saying remakes are... They're, I hate remakes. I, I think remakes are fine, especially if they're done well. Oh, yeah. You... But it's just I'm just highlighting the fact that new modern westerns new western movies aren't really necessarily a big thing anymore no anyway open range yes yeah i the collection tj you highlighted the collection of the cast really nice oh, really okay. nice collection robert duvall of course great actor oh. kevin costner he kevin costner he honestly does not get talked about enough in my opinion these days yeah, I mean, I I think he hasn't done too much crazy stuff recently. I'm excited, dude. I'm excited to watch Yellowstone. Oh yeah, uh, what's that on? Isn't it like per Paramount Plus? Yeah. But I'm gonna try and figure out a way to like get a free trial or something after the this latest season comes out, so I can just watch all of it. Yeah, might as well. Um, again, I'm trying I'm treading away from open range again. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with Kevin Costner. No, with Wolves, which we still Dance. haven't seen. Another western of his. Uh, I know he's in the Wyatt Earp movie, mm-hmm. like the three-hour one. Yeah, which I'm I'm interested to watch. I like the cinematography in Open Range. I thought it was nice. Yeah, for the most part, there were it was, it's no unforgiven cinematography, but there are some really cool shots. Oh yeah, and I think they did a nice job of representing and showing how long they had been together, Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner, without actually, like, explicitly saying it. Like, you could tell they had that bond and that camaraderie that that had been built over time. Yeah, um... Oh, wait, who wrote this movie? Oh, uh... Yeah, I was gonna say, I I think that's a good thing on, like, the writers. Like, they really did kind of... They did, like, the... Like the relationship between them, especially well. Mm-hmm. This is the writer's only big movie. And I liked the harshness that Costner's character had with Diego Luna's Luna's character. Yeah. It's not he was very he was kind of quite rough on the kid, and you don't. It's kind of weird seeing that from a Kevin Costner character because he plays usually very nice and very warm characters. Yeah, very rarely is a Kevin Costner character mean kind of a jerk yeah but he was in this case and that was refreshing and you know kevin costner's in the western actors hall of fame I, something like that and for for great reason and i also say that the costume design was really well done the slowness, which you pointed out earlier, TJ, is nice because from a movie like that, especially from cattle uh, wrestlers, wrestlers, you'd think that it would be much more fast-paced and a lot more actiony and yeah, and stuff like and 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 things like that. But 
it was it was refreshing and it definitely helped it added to the satisfaction of that big action sequence at the end yes they it's it's almost like they made it up to us <laughs> by having just an outlandish not necessarily outlandish outlandish isn't the but right, like, yeah, right word but very there's definitely a, a with those shots the way they filmed this this action sequence at the end it feels very real yeah because th- it felt like some of those shots were almost like gopro-esque yeah uh speaking to the cinematographer i just looked him up because i was very interested uh this is the first movie that he's like a director of cinematography um and then past this he does crash which is uh uh oscar-winning movie rush hour three. Oh yes uh, right, we haven't seen that one yet have we no, no. One we haven't seen that's right he did the first few episodes of the show shameless uh on showtime and uh, the last big thing is uh, a few episodes of the show Longmire. Another great Western show, according yeah. to many. I, that's one I'm super excited to get to as well. It's on Netflix, correct? Yeah. I'm excited for that. That, that I think, will be my next drama show, probably. Okay. Which will be a while, because there's a lot of other shows I have to finish. But I'm definitely excited for that. Yeah. The... Yeah, but that final action sequence is, again, great. Classic. It's very... They did a very good job with using the town, the yes. orientation of the town and the different things, going in the buildings, going out of the buildings, around buildings. Yeah. Using, like, glass or mirrors to reflect to see where... People are. People are. Yeah. And it's... And um, we get to see more of that great camaraderie between the pair... And underrated romance relationship, I think too. It's yeah. it's under it's underplayed, obviously, in the film itself because it isn't the main thing. But it's a nice addition to yeah to the film. Yeah, I think that I liked. I mean, yeah, I thought it was a pretty de- like decent romance arc. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is a little quick because I mean, like, I mean, it's over the course of like three days or something like that. But I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. The one scene that reminded that I reminded me that this what I just said reminded me of is when Kevin Costner has that dream where that guy with the bag. Yeah. That's a really good scene too. Yes. That's probably my second favorite scene in the in the movie. That was pretty good. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It's basically it. Not only is it a good scene itself, but illustrates just the stress and the everything that Costner had gone through in those last several days with their whole kind of posse being the guy, they're one of their friends getting killed and Diego Luna's character getting injured yeah, and running into those issues with the other uh, ranchers and just, just all the stress mounting up to him having that nightmare, which ultimately the guy in the nightmare was actually the girl. Yeah. Um, But he was going, he was kind of, um, what's the right word? He was hallucinating mm-hmm. and kind of have a hallucinating dream there. Any other thoughts? Um, not really. I, I, I mean, I like the movie itself. I... The only negatives for me would be the cinematography at points kind of dips for me. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of just feels basic at some points. It doesn't, it doesn't feel too special. Which there, there's for me the my one of my gripes with it is minor gripes is they hit really big highs at points with the cinematography and the camera work, and then hit some like it dips into like just okay stuff. And okay, and it really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Also, have we described the plot of this movie? Well, we're assuming they've watched it. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean... Yeah. Anyway... We're assuming... If not, we just kind of spoiled a lot of it for you, but... Yes. Uh, cut this in at the beginning. <laughs> story time. Okay, story time. Plot. Basically, Kevin Costner, Robert Duvall... If they've seen it already, we don't have to explain the plot. I don't know. It, but anyway, yes, we will explain the plot. Kevin Costner, Robert Duvall are cattle rustlers, and they are... Their cattle are on these guys' land, and they don't like it, yeah. essentially. And so they fight. Pretty much. Pretty, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, the two groups tussle, get into some some heated arguments. But yeah. I love the, the gunshot sounds are really well done, too. The, the sound editing with those gunshots and the... Oh, yeah. Stuff like that is really good. Um, yeah, I'll... The, oh, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, earlier we were talking about like the finale, and I feel like it's kind of the aged up version of the ending of High Noon. That's a good. That's a great comparison. Yeah, cause um, where High Noon is like, I mean, it's what the fifties or the forties or something, and they kind of do the same thing where they're going in and out of barns and they're, uh, I mean, it's a, only like a one on three kind of thing. But anyway, uh, it still kind of has that like through the town vibe for action and stuff like that yeah cool. it is really cool the yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else the yeah i think that's it yeah there's not there's not too much i can gripe upon and well done i i was glad I never knew that I needed a Robert Duvall, Kevin Costner team-up movie until no. I watched that film. Oh, yeah, definitely not. I was not expecting that. Very, two different actors yeah. with their filmography. I haven't seen much out of Robert Duvall, honestly. Well, he's... Robert Duvall is Apocalypse Now, right? Uh, or a Platoon. It's one of the two. He's in one of them. To the internet. Oh, no, he's in Apocalypse Now, yeah, because he's the Army General. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he has the, the, like, the most famous line out of the movie. I love the smell of uh, napalm in the morning. Mm-hmm. He's also in The Godfather. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, but, again, different filmographies and definitely different acting styles. Yes. Which is why I never knew I needed the two together. Mm-hmm. They worked really well. This has got to be one of Robert Duvall's only westerns. He's not a big western guy. Uh, I'm looking at it now. He's probably has a decent amount. Really? Yeah, let's see. Let's see if I can count. One, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, take back my statement. Anyway, yes, great pairing. Very entertaining, very slow, in a good way. 
Who's the Who's the chick? What's the name of the chick? Annette Bening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what has she been in? American Beauty. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I think those three did a very nice. Those three in particular were the staple, obviously the staples of the movie, and yeah. did an adequate job. They did a nice job with the film. Yeah, and an interesting plot too. I I'm surprised that a western hadn't done it earlier, or if they had, I'm unaware of it. Yeah, I, I get where you're going. Yeah, there was one. Well, hold on. Actually, there might have been one. Actually, there. I think there was a Clint Eastwood movie that was similar to it. I can't remember. I watched it. I think it's um. Hail Rider. I don't know. It's Hang 'em High. I think is the plot that's kind of similar that I'm thinking of. Let's see. Um. Well, it deals with cattle wrestling as ah, well. Okay. So there we go. That makes more sense. Final thoughts. I liked it. Uh, finally, I mean, we finally watched it after what four years. And I thought it was it was it was nice to finally watch it get on nice crossed off the list. Uh, I mean, I liked it. That's agreed. I mean, that's that's the most I can say. Agreed. I liked it as well. I would say it it is my favorite modern western that I've seen so far. I need to get to more Kevin Costner westerns. Same. Again, I think my biggest standout, my biggest takeaway from the film is I didn't know I needed a Robert Duvall, Kevin Costner team up. Definitely not. And, of course, the final action sequence. Yeah. All right. Time to move on to the main event, unless I'm forgetting something. Uh, do you want to touch on Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yeah, we can do that. Like, take like ten, five, ten minutes or something. Let's do it. I don't know. Okay, Ghostbusters Afterlife, killer title. First of all, yes, killer title. Um, it was something that again I didn't know I needed, but we got it, and I was glad we got it. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same thing. Should we run through the basics of the plot? Yeah. So the plot is it's in a town. Plain. What is the name of the town? I just remember it's in Oklahoma. It's in Oklahoma. It's a town in o- based in a town in Oklahoma. Uh, that Egon's family moves to. Moves to because they're broke. Yes, and little by little they start figuring out kind of what he Egon was supposed to be doing there, and uh, they have a big battle with uh, a ghost, uh, like a big evil ghost. Correct. Pretty much. Big evil ghost is a great way to put it. Yeah. The same, the same villain in the same ghost in from the first one. Yeah, the original. Which, uh, Grozer. Gozer. Gozer. That's right, Gozer. Which I love the original. Can't go wrong with the original. The original's good. <laughs> the the god. They brought the god line back up. Oh my god, that's like my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's yeah. that that opening. Was was incredible. I loved that opening so much. Oh yeah, that was well uh, easily like one of my favorite parts of that movie. With with Egon, so obviously those that watch the film, which if you haven't watched it, don't be listening. to This is where Egon is driving away from the big mountain, yeah. mining mountain, and the ghost is chasing him. And what I liked about it so much was they did a good job with 
with teasing and showing that it was Egon, but yeah. not actually showing his face, which I'm glad they did because if they showed his face, they for those that don't know, Harold Ramis died, so he wouldn't have act. They would have actually would have had a CGI more of him, more of him, which of course they did later on in the film, but it would have degraded that whole sequence because you obviously would have been able to even with the technology we have today, you still would have had that you, in the back of your mind while this whole thing was going on, you would have still thought, oh, that's not actually... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the opening itself is... It uses, like, the camera really well, and, like, I mean, the editing and direction of it are super cool, and it's, it, I mean, it's just a killer opening to the movie, which, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to expect going into this movie. I was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, it's a Ghostbusters movie, so here for that. And it was, like, Paul Rudd and stuff, and I was here for it. I didn't know how good it was actually going to be. But, um, as soon as that scene hit, I was like, I'm hooked. I'm here for it. Yeah, there was that scene in the dark at night, and then it just hit to the title. Yes. I was, I, I was so blown away. Oh, my God. I was so in. I was so invested. Yes. From that point on. And then, of course, we get the, the hint that it's... Gozer, because it has the arms that come out of the sofa chair that grab Egon. Yes, yeah. And you kind of, you you're for those that have watched the other Ghostbusters movies, you perked up because you're thinking, "Whoa, yeah. I've seen that before." Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Um, and also, you you highlighted the cinemato- cinematography in that whole sequence, the shot where he's putting the ghost trap into the, that hole that we had not known what the where he was putting it. We thought it was maybe like a box or something. Yeah. was a nice touch because we didn't actually know where he put it. Yeah. And then that comes back when In the later his, his granddaughter, Phoebe. Phoebe, finds it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the opening is just killer. I think for me, that's my favorite part of the movie. I think as a movie, it's... I, I, movie-wise, that is my favorite part. But I think experience-wise, it was not. Interesting, okay. Uh, what was your favorite experience part? Uh, later in the movie where they're chasing uh, the one ghost through the town. See, that's true. That's... I don't know why, but I felt so much like pure, unbridled joy. Yeah. Like I think more than I have like in a long time in a movie theater. And I think it is unironically one of my favorite movie experiences probably ever. I, wow. I was so like oh my god i don't know if it was like finally because like i don't know i i felt like i hadn't seen like a movie like that in a while just in general let alone in the theater and i was just like i mean i love dune i mean dune was another like phenomenal experience and i loved eternals and stuff like that but there's something about like just like the the sounds of like ghostbusters and like oh just their proton packs yeah the, the, the packs in like like the fun card set like and i was just like oh i'm loving this uh i had like the biggest goofiest smile for like that like whole like 10 minutes and i was just like nothing can stop my happiness except those girls that except the people sitting next to me (laughs) which i tuned them out thankfully for that scene but yeah uh i had these three girls who sat next to me like three seats down but i could hear the whole movie them whispering to each other and it really pissed me off that's understandable. I think, yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. I would say I'd agree with you on that. It was a great. It was one of my fair movie experiences as well. Growing up with the Ghostbusters and oh, stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, that was that's fair. That's I agree. I can agree with that. Yeah. 
the the aesthetic of course is awesome with the ghostbusters and heightened i think by this film because of the advancement in camera technology so you really have the fine details of the proton packs and the and the and the ghost trap and really the insides of the of ecto one as well because in the prior two films it was there but they never really got into the gritty details of what exactly was all in that car car yeah it's kind of just there it's like it's the mode of transportation it's like the um the mystery machine of of ghostbusters like it's there and it's iconic but they don't do too much with it other than drive places and you see and the only other thing you see is them sliding out the thing that has the packs on it but other than that it's we don't see the all that technology that podcast is messing with and the i don't know at what point they built the remote control the old little car and all that but that's there yeah i mean yeah i mean i I like that like the movie itself is kind of like it's a mix of like everything old about the series like a lot of jokes are callbacks and like it's it's a very nostalgia filled and then it's mixed with like a coming of age like like teen movie mm-hmm. i thought it was like a nice mix i didn't i wasn't expecting and i thought it was really funny and i like i, I just i really I, I enjoyed it a lot agreed the it, yeah i think it's just and of course you highlighted it to a certain extent with your favorite experience of the film the nostalgia is is definitely real oh, with all that oh hell yeah and then when Phoebe first is that the name of the actor or the character? Uh, the character. Character. Phoebe powers up the proton pack at first and that we get the fine details of the The sounds and all that. Oh my like, yeah, I like, that like section was super cool. Cause I mean like it, like with the, all the advancements of like sound stuff like that, it was it was just like it took such a nostalgic sound and like turned it up to 11 on, on like every drill like when was just like, oh my god i love this i was what i was thoroughly surprised by was their ability their use of the screen of the camera the space of the camera oh yeah for a fi- for films gen- generally like this they don't really ever use it to a full extent Probably, because yeah, really that's not what people are usually there for for a film like this they just kind of do it they don't. They kind of just stay mostly center frame, so mostly everything's towards the middle. But there's several shots, in particular, one where Phoebe is first using the proton pack, where on the on the camera frame she's all the way on the right corner of the yeah. screen, and what she's what she's lasering at, shooting at, is on the yeah. far left of the screen. The rust, the rusty yeah. it, it really, frame can or car or whatever it was. Yeah, it takes advantage of like a full actual like like frame which is really cool and oh like you don't really see that in most like modern like kids movies to a certain extent yeah or i feel like just in a lot of blockbusters in general that's fair yeah like i feel like a few of the only ones i can really figure out are like mad max fury road and guardians of the galaxy 2 and eternals and stuff like that like like stuff that like it's taken more of an artsy turn but like yeah Uh, that's a good point I, I agree with that. Marvel, yeah, Marvel doesn't really tend to do that, except for what, as you mentioned. Yeah, and, like, the stuff where they're actually trying to be fancy. Like, mm-hmm. they do that in Endgame for what, like, the big shot where uh, Captain America is on the one side and all of Thanos' armies on the other. Like, that shot is primo. And I think it's, like, the one of the best examples of that. 
But like other than that, like Marvel doesn't go too fancy. It's center center shots, not too artsy, except when it wants to be. No, Which, I mean it's fine. I don't really care. I'm here for a Marvel movie. I don't really care. And just like the first Ghostbusters movie, this one also continues with great, great CGI. This oh, one has all great CGI. I should I should restate that the first one has some great CGI. Specifically, oh, okay. the lasers of the proton packs is magnificent in the first one. Oh, that yeah. that effect in that first movie looks like it came out today, pretty much. Oh yeah, I mean, it's bound to age. Everything ages. Star Wars is aged. Harry Potter's aged. It's all aged. It doesn't matter if it's twenty years old or forty years old. I mean, Ghostbusters still looks pretty good. I mean, I watched it what five days ago? No, more than five days ago. Almost a week now. Um, like the original one. I mean, most of the movie looks really good. I think there's like two effects that I was like really like. I I kind of looked at like I kind of squinted and I was like, oh god, that hasn't aged well. And they're like they they're not on the screen for long. I was I'm I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Like, I I, I get it that it's gonna age and. Everything is going to look, some parts are going to look bad at some point. I mean, some at one point we'll look back on Dune and be like, ugh, what is this? I yeah. don't know. Just me. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. And again, you have to take into account, much like the original Dune movie, it's not very good, but you have to take into account that that's what they had access to with CGI. How dare you say 1984 Dune is bad. It came out the same year as Ghostbusters. Hmm. Two of the best movies yes, of the year. Of course. But they killed it with the CGI in this new one. Mm-hmm. The uh, the new characters were all had their own place in the film. They placed them very well with their yeah. positions and and jobs. And then going to the ending, I was really worried that they were they they got to a certain point at the climax of the film, the last like fourth where it was very similar to the original, and I got worried for a second because I was thinking, uh-oh, if they just replicate the ending of the first one, it's going to totally hinder what my review, it. what I think of it, what I think of the film. But they cha- they they twisted it enough, they changed it up enough for it to be sat- satisfying beyond belief. Oh, yeah. And different than, than the original. Yeah. I didn't think at all that the original... Three were gonna show up. I did, I oh did not. God. I genuinely didn't think that was gonna happen. I didn't. I uh, I didn't think so. I, I <clears throat> not to that extent. Oh no! I thought that the most of it was gonna be was from the end of the trailer where um they they were gonna be on the phone with each other and that was pretty much gonna be it. Like I was not expecting them to actually show up. Um, but I was here for it. Me too. They they were actually an integral part in the. In the ending. Yeah. Capturing Go- Gozer. Yeah. I mean, plus it, it, it just added for, like, cl- like the like the classic nostalgia. Like, it's the penultimate feeling. You're just like, oh, yes. And, like, they all still have, like, really good jokes. Like, based, like usually I feel like when that would happen, I feel like their writing would be a little more, like, out of place. But I felt like that was pretty good. I think there's only, like, one scene in this movie that I thought was actually out of place. Which is that one? Uh, it's the scene where uh, the mom and Paul Rudd are possessed, and then they meet in the desert. Oh yeah. It it, it just feels it's funny, cause like Paul Rudd it looks really goofy, but like I don't know there's something about the look of it, like it feels more it feels like it's out of a music video than it actually does the rest of the movie, like I, I 
I get like it's trying to be funny and kind of like add to the comedy, but I don't know if they. Sh- it's like one scene that they specifically shot on a like different camera, or if they shot it on like a, a sound stage. But like it looks way more fake than the rest of the movie. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Speaking about authenticity, the cornfield. He actually, there's actually a fact the director confirmed where that was legit corn. That was a legit cornfield that he was driving through. Like Interstellar? Finn was. <laughs> they pulled Interstellar. Yeah. Driving through Finn Wolfhard's character was driving through the cornfield with the Ecto One when he got it working. Yeah. Yeah, that was oh. really cool. That was another one of those just joyous uh, theater moments. Yes. Oh, speaking of uh, weird little uh, things, this movie was shot in uh, a little town in Canada. Uh-huh. My uncle lives in. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Did he see them filming? I don't know. I, I have yet to call him and ask. You should ask him. Um, but yeah. Because if it's if it's a smaller town, I, he might he might have he might have seen yeah. them. Summerlin, Canada. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Back to the finale. Oh yeah. The. Everything I like the again they're going full circle with the beginning. They trap it the same way that Egon wanted to trap it. Oh, it's Egon. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes, we're sitting behind a Caddyshack poster, which of course is directed by Harold Ramis and written and written by Harold Ramis. Yeah. There you go. Big comedy writer. Yeah. Eighties and seventies. Rest in peace to our guy Harold. Yes. My favorite Ghostbuster. The. The ending was great, as you mentioned, as we talked about. They definitely still had that chemistry. The chemistry had not left them, for sure. Oh, definitely not. The addition of the mini marshmallow people. Yes. The pu- Something puff. What is it? Stay puff? Stay puff, yeah. yeah. Stay puff marshmallow man. That was a lovely addition. One of the most iconic Ghostbuster moments. I, I say just movies in general. Movies in general. When I think of Ghostbusters, the... My, the progression usually goes, of course, the guys, and then pretty much the Marshmallow Man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like the actual like group themselves, like the proton packs, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, like the car, like and then the every and then everything else is just like down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I feel like for me it just keeps going. Like, I I mean I grew up on Ghostbusters. I feel like I think you said you have too. Yeah, my brother especially. My brother went through that box set that we have like four or five times in like a month oh, when he yeah. first watched it. He was he was, I I no I had not I did not have that addiction to it. But I yeah I watched Ghostbusters a ton as a kid. Yeah. I mean I I still come back to it now and I think it's hilarious for all new reasons because like I get more of the jokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, oh, can't go wrong. The yeah, it will. It's one of those kind of science fiction experiences that we don't get anymore because it's very friendly to both young kids and adults. It, yeah. it kind of satisfies both parties and both can enjoy it, which we don't really get a lot. We get that with some Pixar yeah, we films. Get, we get that more with animated movies now. Correct. Like, you get more, like, kind of started with Shrek, kind of with like the comedy sense, and then you get like more like stuff like soul from pixar which is like oh no it's funny animated movie for kids but like for adults it's like this like weirdly depressing thing about life and you're just like oh my god what like but yeah i feel like um ghostbusters is kind of like one of the like the original founders of that where it's just like plays in for everyone it's comedy for everyone exactly can't go wrong 
Definitely can't go wrong. And then I'm trying to think what else. We have some great post credit scenes. Oh yeah. The callback to the first movie with the cards, yes. Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. They they had her on the credits, and we looked at each other like, "What? She was in this?" Yeah. And then it cut immediately to the post credit scene. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, this makes sense. Yeah. And then we get the lovely ending post credit scene where it's pretty much confirmed that they're going to do another Ghostbusters movie. Yes, I'm here for it. I'm so excited. They showed the the containment unit that contains all the ghosts and the red and one of the red lights was flashing. Yeah, which I'm interested cuz it it seems like there's something they've caught in the in the past, but I wonder what it is cuz I mean it, I mean if it's like a flash or if it's like a sequence in the original like they don't show anything. It must not have been too big for them, but mm-hmm. it must be concocting some sort of plan. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I'm not sure if the if they captured all the ghosts when they captured um, Gozer. Oh yeah. But obviously they had they had they didn't because they're making another one. They're hinting at making another one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested. It'll be interesting. Plus we got, oh, don't forget, we have an amazing cameo from J.K. Simmons. Oh my gosh. I was so here for it. <sighs> that took me so off guard. I loved it. I was... Because they showed him in the in the glass case, but it was from the side, so yeah, it was really I hard to tell. I didn't, I couldn't tell at all. It was until he started talking and it was like actually like up and walking and talking and I was like, oh my god, it's J.K. Simmons. Yeah, and then he then freaking Gozer just goes <laughs> just shreds him. Oh, it's so funny. In like yeah, that's it was very funny. But I think honestly, who's your favorite character in the new one? The new characters that came out. Who's your um, favorite? Um, I I think in general it's probably Paul Rudd. But if I had to pick for, like, the kids in, like, the new Ghostbusters, I'd probably say Phoebe. Okay. For me, new characters, it would be... That's, I don't know, that's a tough one. I could probably rank them right now in my brain. Real? Okay, rank them. Uh, number one, Phoebe. Two, Podcast. Three, Trevor. Four, Lucky. Which is the, the girl. She doesn't do anything. So right. Can... Trevor's Finn Wolfhard, right? Yeah. I think he was kind of annoying to start, so I didn't like him as much. He was kind of insufferable in the first few scenes. Yeah. Um, but after that, he gets, like, really funny and, like, charming. And I was like, okay, I'm here for it now. <laughs> Mine's probably Trevor, probably. Yeah, I liked Trevor. I, I didn't have any, as much of an issue as, with him in the beginning as you did. And I was fine with that, actually. So, yeah, I'd yeah. say probably for me it's Trevor. I don't know. I, 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 My dad and I have the same, like, kind of thing where... We, we watch a lot of those, like, 80s movies where, like, the kids are a little assholes at the beginning. And we're like, why are we watching this? <laughs> but I have more of a tolerance for it than he does. Like, I'll actually sit through it. My dad will turn it off. Interesting. He straight up cannot sit through it. Really? He's so annoyed. Hmm. And I, I mean, I can see why. Yeah, that, like, yeah. I can, I can understand where he's coming from. Yeah. All right. It's almost an hour. Yes. So we should probably, we might have to cut some stuff to get it. So it's not at an hour for time's sake for the podcast, what but we need, <laughs> but we need to get it's to, we, it's all important. We need to get to the Fast and the Furious, our Thanksgiving okay, yes. special. Our Thanksgiving special. Our Thanksgiving special. Yes. This is all my second time watching the Fast and the Furious. The first one, obviously. Uh, I haven't watched it since what, January? So yeah. 
and that was my second time watching it. So it's been a hot minute for me, but I remember it pretty well, I feel like. So yeah, kind of flying a little blind. But. The, the main thing that stands out to me with this film is after watching all the other ones. Oh, yeah. Is how f- refreshing it is seeing all the car action with little to no CGI. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with, like, the big crazy shit they do in the sequels, but, like, there is something so, like, nice about just going into something, like, honestly kind of, like, I don't want to say minimalist, but, like, at least, like, minimalist in CGI sense. Or it's, like, it it really doesn't go too hard in, like, abs- like, abs- like, absolutely crazy shit. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's a car chase. You're racing down the road. You do this with stunt guys. It's not hard, kind of thing. And there's something nice about that. There definitely is. The another thing I noticed too was the cinematography was had some. There were some great shot moments, some cinematography moments, specifically where Paul, Paul, Brian, and Dom were walking down the middle of the street at that Chinese garden place. Yes. And it was this. a wide shot, and they were right in the middle of it. That was beautiful. Oh, that was yes. nice. Oh, and God. then when Paul is in the desert, William, come in here. <laughs> oh, we're, we're calling the, the ultimate fan. William, give the podcast fans your opinions on Fast and Furious real quickly. Give them, like, just give them, I don't know. <laughs> Minute, minute, 30, 30 seconds worth, whatever you want to say. Huh. Hmm. Should have been Best Picture winner. Should have been Best Picture, Best Acting, everything. Costume design, perfect. Exactly. It's a great movie. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm honestly, it's such a disgrace to the film industry. It really is. What, and William, hold on. On a serious note, on a serious <laughs> note, is, what, is, is this your favorite Fast and Furious movie? Which one's your favorite? Probably, one's probably tied with seven. This one's tied with seven for your favorite? Yeah. Good enough, good enough. All right, there's your uh, resident residential Fast and Furious expert, William Phillips. Yeah. Back to your regular scheduled program. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. The other shot I was going to mention was when Paul was standing in the desert next to the helicopter that was picking up Dom's friend, brother, or not yes, brother, friend. Guy. And he's looking back at Dom and Letty and Mia after the whole... They, they find out that he's a cop and they're just... They hate him. They hate him. And Paul's out far in the desert and it's like a wide shot of him in the middle with the helicopter. It looks so good. For the Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> and still, I mean, look good in general. Yeah. The uh, then I I pointed this out. I mentioned this to TJ. I didn't realize that until this watch that the actor for who plays Captain Suttlemeyer in Monk is the sergeant in Fast and Furious. I had that connection where I heard the voice and then I saw the face and I was like, bro, what? Wait a minute. Wait a second. Oh my god. It's him. The all the car stuff is great. We have some of the most iconic cars, obviously, right from the get go. The Supra. The, the, oh God, the Mitsubishi, 
Which one do you think you're trying to think of? William would, if William was here, he'd come beat me with a tack hammer. The, it's his green one. It's, um... Oh, 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 oh. It's a Mitsubishi Lancer, maybe? I think so. Fast and Furious. But, um... I guess while you're looking it up, I could... We could go some other topic. Mitsubishi Eclipse. Son ah, of a gun. Eclipse. That don't make sense, actually. Yeah, one of the mo- more iconic cars, Fast and Furious. The green one, the peach-colored Supra... And, of course, we get Don's Challenger at the end. Yeah. Which has gone through hell and back in all these movies. <laughs> what oh has this one got cr- ran into train, flipped the thing. That's another thing where we got to see, seeing all the cool practical effects. The totally practical, that car going up in the air and crashing. Oh, yeah. That we have the iconic ending with Dom going off, taking Paul Supra. I... We talked, we, obviously, with Ghostbusters, we were talking about scenes that just kind of hit different to a certain extent and just great experiences, and that's one of my all-time favorite movie moments is Paul, or is Brian and, and Dom going off with, with Brian's 10-second car that Brian promised him. One of my all-time oh, yeah. favorite movie moments. Love it so much. The, yeah, all great stuff. I, I, I kind of want to watch this movie again, man. <laughs> the, this, long. Yeah, the... Like, like half a year. <laughs> a half a year. Yeah, the the, twi- the twist was nice, too, with the whole who's actually driving the Civics, the black Civics, the Civic gang, who's taking all the Panasonic, you know, TVs and stuff like that. Because oh, yeah. you were kind of dead set on it being Johnny Trans. I think that's how you say his name. Johnny, I think it's Johnny Tran. Johnny Trans gang. And they that's what the FBI thought. They took that the FBI raided his house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you were totally fine with because Johnny Tran's a jerk anyway and has committed so many other law, break, broken so many other laws that you actually weren't sorry for him in any way. And also a decent montage, too, there with Brian being a part of the group and va- uh, busting into his house. The music was, was solid there. And as much as the Fast and Furious movies get grief for bad acting, which there's plenty of bad acting. There's some great acting moments in this film, I'll be honest. There's a very intimate, nice moment with Mia and Paul. I keep so I keep saying Paul instead of Brian. I get those they're one and the same for me. But and many other people with Mia and Brian when he tells Mia that he was always there because of her and not because of Dom yeah. for the gang and and you, that just satisfaction levels are off the chart there. And just a whole very wholesome, sweet moment. And then when it's very brief, but when Dom and Paul are yelling at each other, when Paul comes back to the house to tell Dom to put the gun down, and and there's some great yelling there and some great character development moments with those two in that in that setting. And the whole ending just is. is lovely choreography with the cars and the and everything is nice when they're chasing johnny tran and the his other sidekick guy yes. very satisfactory when they take him down yeah. thoughts tj anything is there any other thoughts you have that you want to uh, mention yeah i mean this is definitely one of the best of the series just in general um i think it's definitely like the best of the older ones i'd say like I'd say before, like, they really, like, get crazy, which i say it starts at, like, five-ish. Like, like mm-hmm. or, like, it'd be, like, truly start getting crazy. 
Uh, I'd say this is like the best of the first four, like first half of the series. I'd say. Agreed. It's going to be one of the ones that holds up the best, not just because it's the first one, but as I highlighted earlier, there's not a whole lot of CGI. Yes. In it, and that's part of the reason why it's going to hold up so well. Apart also, and and also just being a a nice plot, a good plot for yeah. a Fast and Furious movie that is very similar and essentially the same as Point Break. Yes, it is. <laughs> TJ, you mentioned earlier it's basically Point Break with cars because it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel like I've seen this a lot on the internet, like especially around when Fast 9 came out, like when was that, June? I saw that meme a lot where it was all the film pages were like, Fast and Furious 1 is just Point Break but with cars instead of surfers. And I was like, wow, you're just figuring this out? It's almost like that's been a thing for like 20 years. And I'm and I've around the internet too. There's people that negate the film for for that. Yeah. And I kind of I usually take there's some instances where I'm okay with it, but for the most part, when movies do that, I when fans get like that, I kind of am salty about it because you know it's okay that other movies copy other movies. That's just that's just bound to happen. The way it and if it makes the movie entertaining and fun and I don't and really care. I don't really care. Yeah, I don't really care either. If it enhances the film experience, then yeah, we don't care. We're Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, fine. Yeah. I mean if copying movies wasn't a thing, I think Tarantino would be out of business a lot <laughs> yeah. farther than yeah. he actually is. Yeah. And I mean like yeah. I mean, exactly. For example, the Hateful Eight is a combination of, like, The Thing and several other spaghetti westerns. Yeah, and I mean, like, even just, like, scenes in some of his old movies. Like, the dance scene from Pulp Fiction is just this, the dance scene from Eight and a Half. It's, it's not hard. Everyone's pointed it out. And, I mean, The Simpsons it, does it, like, every week, and they've been doing it for 30 years. What I don't know what the big deal is now that you have to shit on Fast and Furious just because it's a little bit, like, fat point break. I think... Honestly, I think why people do it is if it's not some critical masterpiece or some critical, critically acclaimed film, that's that opens the floodgates and that gives oh, genu- yeah. general fans the to shit on the movie. Of course, yeah, I feel like that. That seems I I don't know if you what you think, TJ, but that seems to be the trend. Where if yes. it's not a critically acclaimed film, and it's copying something, it will then get memed on and and attacked. Of course, yes. Oh my god. And then adding to the acting, the dialogue had some nice moments as well in this film. That doesn't really happen in a lot of the other ones for the most part. Obviously you're not there for the dialogue. Forget about it, Ka. <laughs> the thing about street fights, the street oh. always wins. The best Fast and Furious quote. I mean, of course, we get the the iconic I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, yeah. Which is a... I genuinely like that quote, just as a quote. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a classic. It is. The, the most iconic Fast and Furious quote. Yeah? It is the most iconic. I, I can't think of any other ones. There's other ones that are, like, memed for being iconic, but this one is... Or memed be, because they're memed, and that makes them, I guess, semi-iconic because they're relevant, but... Yeah. This one truly is iconic from the standpoint that it doesn't really get memed on a whole lot. It gets memed on, but doesn't. it's not one of those quotes that needs to be memed on. Because it's actually good. It's actually a good quote, but it gets memed on because it's Fast and Furious. Yes. 
Uh, what's your favorite Fast and Furious movie? You know, after watching this one, I want to say it's this one, but I'm gonna wait till I rewatch the other one. So it's five. Yes, and this is a this is a as a close second. Yeah, I definitely say that the first one is definitely like top half. I definitely say maybe even third. It's either third or fourth. It okay, depends on how I'm feeling about six. Because I'd say five, seven. I like seven. I kind of like Will. Um, and then I'd say probably uh, six or one. Seven has the great. <clears throat> action sequence on the airplane right with yes dude i love that that's so good no wait no wait that's oh. that's six. Oh, that's six six is the one where it ends on a plane where uh jason statham has the baby right no that, that <coughs> that's actually eight well that's eight yeah well, anyway i love that moment yeah uh those three have specific plane sequences six one is what the one where they're all driving alongside the plane and the and, and the runway <clears throat> never ends it's, end, yeah, it's runway, an endless runway yeah Seven is the one where uh, they drive out of the airplane and parachute out. And then eight is the one with uh, Jason Statham where he breaks onto the plane and starts ka-chowing everyone. Dude, shout out to planes. Can we just throw that out there? MVPs, planes, in Fast and Furious movies, the recent ones. Honestly. They don't give enough love. They don't get enough love. Yeah. Um... Oh, also, I feel like you kind of said that, like, the first one will age really well because it doesn't age too much. Practical. Or, not practical. It does use a lot of practical effects. Um, I feel like the second one is the same way. Where it doesn't honestly use that much CGI. It's goofy in the sense of writing. Because most of it is bad. But uh, honestly, a lot of the action scenes aren't that CGI. Yes. But it gets more outlandish. Yeah, I mean, that's, my, that's, that's what I was kind of going for. I was like, it's, it's, it's a shitty movie. I mean, it's... I, again, we're not... It's one of the worst of the series, but I... I unironically love that movie, and I mean, uh, but I, I feel like it kind of has that same, like, sense, where it's like, yes, it's goofier, but it still has that same, like, charm of, like, it, it it's more like actual stunt drivers doing it, instead of just, like, I, I, oh, no, I have to put on a green screen and computer animate. It's, it's like, something cool about that. No, I, I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. But I'm looking at it from from the standpoint, if we're looking somewhat critically, somewhat long-term... Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, is that it won't age as good because, I mean, the movie's shit. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. It's a bad movie. As a Fast and Furious movie, it's a great Fast and Furious movie. Yes, it's hilarious. I love that movie. But, like, like I'm saying... It's not the chase, like the chases themselves aren't as good, but it still has that charm. Ejecto Cito Cause! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but see, that's what makes Fast and Furious great is those outlandish scenes. Yeah. As reason being is we get it established in the fifth one. Yes. It's one of the, the char- main characteristics of those films. Yeah. Of but the, the films. The goofier they get, the more fun they are. And they, that's why they're fun. I mean... How's the tuna? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and to think the people going into space started with a tuna sandwich. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The progression. You really can see it. Yeah. That's what's... It's actually kind of cool seeing the progression, too. Yes. Seeing how they evolved. I love seeing how 
course, hardcore cinephiles right now are raging in their seats, us talking about cool things about Fast and Furious. Because they're fun. Who cares? Yeah. But anyway, the progression is r- really interesting. We kind of we talked about this earlier, but just in general with movie franchises, if you can see progression in, in, in film, it's, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. Star Wars has it. I feel like you can see it in a lot of Batman movies. Bond. Bo- oh, my God. Bond was the one I was going to say next. I think we talked about that earlier. Uh, like Star Trek, stuff like that. Like, Star Trek's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like, yeah, you have, like, the 80s action kind of with this, like, Wrath of Khan. And you kind of dip into, like, 90s goofy comedies that are kind of like uh, Genesis and, like, the later Picard ones that aren't good. But then you have, like, the modern ones with Chris Pine that are fun as hell. Those are and, awesome. Yeah, good science fiction movies. I mean, yeah, you, you see it in general just in the shows as well. That'll be that'll be fun to get to. Star Trek, yeah, you bring up an interesting point, TJ. It's very much like Bond. It's very adapt. It adapts well to the time. Yes. So what's relevant? Because with Bond, you have Moonraker, which is taken, which is um, made in a time with Star Wars and two thousand one, a Space Odyssey, and as you mentioned with Star Trek, you have Voyage Home, which is the fourth one, which is a lot like you know, act comedy movies, action comedy movies at the time in the yeah. 80s, those started to get really big with, like, 48 Hours and Lethal Weapon to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, great uh, great point there. I feel like the, the last big one to um, kind of bring up for that is uh, the, the Marvel just cinematic universe in general. The MCU always seems to be evolving in crazy little ways, whether it's, like... Uh, it's to go from like Iron Man and Thor, like those are almost to get to like Endgame and like Eternals. It's it, it's like it's a crazy little progression that it's also really cool. It's over a shorter amount of time, but like you do see like progression and the way they're made and like the tones and the comedy itself. Like it, it, it truly does age differently. It is it is a very interesting thing to look at for sure. Yeah, though. There are still CGI moments in Fast, this first one, and those oh, yeah. the mo- and they are minor, but when they are there, obviously has an age. That- it's very two thousands CGI. Yes. There's this. There's the sequences where they go through like the entire car when it's. Those are the best. <laughs> I pointed this out to William when we were watching it. They are very two thousand CGI, but there's something cool about that and very authentic to the franchise, yes. which makes it oh, interesting. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like you can say that about like a lot of things, like, st- like, like, but like even like the shitty CGI and st- like the P- Star Wars prequels, like, there's something so charming about it, and like Bond when he's surfing on the, uh, the tsunami and die another day, oh that my looks God. absolutely awful. That is iconic, <sighs> just because it looks hilariously bad. I love when Vin Diesel. After their race with Paul, Paul, wow, 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 Brian, Brian. If I say Paul, I'm not gonna feel. I'm not gonna say sorry anymore. When they're after their first race, and he says, "Granny shifting, not double clutching like you should." Oh my god, I. And everyone's I, I, laughing. It's so. It's one of those not necessarily critically good moments, but so it it. It's one of the more nostalgic hits in oh, yeah, stuff like that in the film. It's hilariously bad. <laughs> I almost made that joke to my friend the other day when we were going to see Harry Potter. 
and I was like, I had to stop myself because like I know she has not seen Fast and Furious. I have to. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't make a granny shift in jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I remember you and I. At least for me, I can say it for myself. TJ, you can say what you what you thought before watching the movies. But I was always skeptical because I I originally thought, why are people liking all these movies? <laughs> In all honesty. I feel like that's everyone when they first start. It's like, these movies are so crazy and stupid. Yeah, why would you like these? Yeah, wh- wh- how many brain cells do you have? Yeah. And then you watch, start watching them and you're like, oh my god, these are low-key really fun. <laughs> They're fun as hell. Uh, this is a franchise that was very much needed in Hollywood. I'm so glad they made it. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like John Cena, in, a, in an interview before the ninth one, was like, honestly, he had, like, had this, like, kind of fun quote about, like, the series. He's like, the, fa- the fast riders just know what people want, and they expand on that. There's no, there's nothing to it more than that. It's just, it's fans having fun for two hours and getting crazy-ass car chases. And I was like you're right (laughs) yeah there's people if you want to see a critically good movie there's plenty of movies to go see you don't have to shit on this film just go watch another critically acclaimed you know oscar winning movie if you want an actually authentic good movie good movie this is not that and you need to understand that and not hate on it for not being that yeah it's supposed to be fun let it be fun it's not it'd be like if you were like shitting on the godfather for being a film film it's like that's the point it you're not gonna sit down and watch the godfather because you want an action like a crazy action movie <laughs> if you want that you go watch john wick there's a point to watching it it's like there's a point to what like making drive or star trek everything has its point everything has its place yeah yeah you have to like understand that and like i feel like people on like just in general haven't I don't know if they're, they're, like, losing their sense of that or something, but I feel like I see it a lot more now than I have in a long time. Oh, no. What oh, wait, never mind. We're good. We're good. Oh. What just happened? I thought there was a An moment error? Where, it, where error where it stopped recording, but it didn't. Thank God. I might have to kill your computer. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. After that heart attack. Yes. I think that's... Good place to end. Right, I want to talk about the we we haven't really talked about the family aspect. Oh, we have not. So shit, how could we not? I know that's kind of a travesty. So the main reason we consider these family films, you would consider them a family film, right, TJ? Go for it. Cool. Sure. All right, you agree with me? <laughs> Go. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> okay. The reason why I believe they're family films and TJ does too to a certain extent <laughs> is because one of the main things is family. Yeah. Legitimately. As I open this podcast by saying that if you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, this can be a family movie. Don't even try me. Because... I, I the, mean, yeah. That, I, that's kind of one of the jokes of Deadpool 2. Is like, um... Like, at heart, this is a movie about family. <laughs> and it's like... It's like, you watch it and you're like, this is not a family movie. But it's like... It's like the whole message is. And you're like, okay, I, I can see where they're coming from. Yeah. I'm here for it. The whole thing, right, They in most, pretty much all the movies, they have them sitting down at least once with, like, a barbecue with all of them. Yes. And, and acting like a family. Yeah, that's, that's always, like, the ending, usually. Usually. This one, it's the opening. It's not the opening, but it happens... Somewhat in there. Like, a third of the way through. They sit down for the barbecue. 
They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they 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 even pray and they say grace and chill and eat eat food and it's and very <laughs> wholesome, oddly enough. Yes, and it's definitely that's where you see a lot of the family aspect and also just that they're very, the bond is very tight between all these people as family. Yeah. So that is why it's a family movie. Fight me. Find me at, find us at manic movie pod on Instagram and tell us why I'm wrong, even though I'm not wrong. Oh God. And I'm going to get this text in a few days. I'm very scared. Yeah. Fight me. Yeah. On the internet, of course. Track us down. Uh, I think person. that's burst into the podcast room. <laughs> Fight us. Oh, fuck. Well, that'd be impressive. If they can find us in the first place without giving us their giving them their addre- uh, my address. I mean, they know we're in uh, like the city we live in because you mentioned it on the pod before. Okay, well, if it's you a can start, that's a start. Try and work your way after and try and figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm encouraging this. Yeah, someone docks us. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't. This is not an open invitation to dox us. I no, swear. No, 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 no. Or at least John. <laughs> yeah. That... No, thank you. No, thank you. But... I think that's it. Yeah. The only other things I'd I'd highlight is as a, as a little bit of a nitpick with this with the first one. Oh boy. That always sticks out to me. This isn't hate. This is just a nitpick. Just me kind of thinking about things you know how to get to attach to jump onto the semi trucks they have the the harpoon that harpoons into the back of the seat yeah there's no way that would stay in real life probably of course not (laughs) but it's again adding to the fast and furious chaos and it's all great fast and furious movies to use like like true logic (laughs) no of course not also, some of the best just car chase choreography is in here too. Oh, with yeah. them going under the semi trucks is so sick. Where they, all that yes. stuff is really cool. And I'm surprised at how much practicality they kept with, like jumping onto the semis. Oh yeah, that's all real. That's all stunt people doing that, and it's cool. And they, oddly enough, get into it a lot. Where normally if you have practical stuff like that, you're doing more wide stuff so you can kind of cut corners. But especially at the end where Dom's friend that hates Brian is on the semi, that's all close up and actually being done. It's cool. Which is cool. Yeah. And And then it's so satisfying seeing... Paul Supra just zooming down the highway as well when he's catching up to them. And Dom and Letty are just destroyed on the side of the street because of the guy's shotgun got him. Yes. Oh, my God. Also, Letty's just a badass. She's one of my favorite characters. In the whole franchise, right? Yeah. Why don't we give us... We can give him a ranking of characters. Where is she for you? Is she she your favorite? Or Uh how do you rank him, TJ? Brian is still my favorite. He's always been my favorite. I'd say he's... I'd say still. Um, and then I'd probably... I'd say Letty and Han are probably three and... Or two and three. Uh, In that order, Letty and then Han? I don't know. And, uh, I might like Han a little more, but I do, I do really like Letty. I remember when we were watching the series for the first time with our friend Emerson and all them. Emerson was 
constantly shitting on Lenny, and I was like, "What? Stop! No, no, she's not that bad." Mm-mm. She's dude. She's a badass. Yeah, she has some of like the best like like action scenes of like everyone, and I was like, "She's oh. tough as hell." That's what I would say, and she has some awesome scenes, and then but just because oh no, she has the amnesia trope, it's just like she's automatically bad, and I was like, "Okay, stop it." Watch the whole franchise. Watch actually the beginning. No, I think. Honestly, TJ, you and I have the exact top three. For yeah. me, for me, definitively, it's Brian one, Han two, Letty three. But we're basically on the same yeah. page. And then, I'd pro- but no hate on Dom. We all we both love Dom, of course. Yeah. After that, I don't know how to rank him because you got funny people who I don't think are that like crazy as like characters, or you have characters that I feel like have a lot more cringy moments. Roman's hilarious. I love Roman. Oh my god, Roman's the best. Um, Roman's that guy in the group who isn't is not gonna hold anything back. Of course, not. and is totally not PC. <laughs> yeah, he. Well, I, he just I, says he just does whatever he wants. Yeah, him and Tej both uh, <laughs> over the course of like what, uh, like some of those just they they pop some amazing jokes that <laughs> if they came out today, I do not think would fly. Nope. Definitely not. Nope. But, um, who's another character that's big now? Dwayne? Oh, yeah, Dwayne's in him. I think he's fine. Yeah. He, dude, one of my favorite Fast and Furious moments is when him and Dom fight in the warehouse. That is so, that is so good. Oh, yeah, that's like one of the best parts of the fifth one. Yeah. So good. They're just like freaking going through concrete and shit. I, I wonder if he'll, like, the Rock will return for some of the later ones. This is actually relevant because it just happened recently. I assume maybe you saw this, TJ, but Dwayne openly, or not Dwayne, Dom openly, Dom. Vin. I, I, I'm getting there. Yeah. Vin openly said that he wanted Dwayne to return to the films and, like, was sorry about all the stuff that happened. I don't. Did you see that? I did not see this. Yeah, it happened recently, and he publicly tweeted or, or said somewhere. somewhere that he wants him and Dwayne to, like, make up. And so Dwayne can come back, and I'm totally here for it. Finally, yeah. Because um, they had a huge. That was one of the. That was the big things about it, like it, when eight first came out. Is that they don't share like any scenes together because they absolutely hated each other. Um, which, okay. They never we never publicly. They never publicly really said why. I no, think they, I don't think so. I think it was just like the Rock wanted more comedy. And Vin Diesel wanted more of a serious action movie. They clashed a lot. It was bound to happen. And they're big. It doesn't help with this circumstance when they're both big public Yeah, they're, actors. Bi- they're big names that are some of the biggest names of the franchise. And, like, I mean, they have, yeah, they're huge. But, uh, yeah, I just remember they hated each other. And that's why Dwayne's not in Nine and Vin is not in Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think... Ultimately, that's part of the reason why they did Hobbs and Shaw, right? So Dwayne could yeah. still be in the franchise, but... I, I bet he had more, more movies on his contract, and he was like, I gotta fill this contract somehow. So Hobbs and Shaw was born. <laughs> Which is, an, is a nice addition. Yeah, it's a fun movie. But that's part of the reason why it spawned. And they are making a second one. They are. They, they are, are making I'm a second one. I'm here for it, because that movie's really funny. It is. Just, again, continuing the formula that we all love so much. Oh, yeah. I mean can't go wrong with jason statham and the rock destroying people on islands 
That the the scene that's that I like so much about that one is when they are both tied up. Yeah. And they're making all those jokes. It's so funny. Followed by all that great just Oh, crazy. actually no, I take that back. My favorite scene's when they are competing with each other, uh killing shoot, or beating oh, up all yeah. those guys to get to the door and then unlocking it. Oh, that was great. And Statham's yeah. just slamming the dude's face all the all the dude's faces repeatedly trying to get one that will actually open the door. So good. But yeah, I'm interested to see how like Nine and Hobbs and Shaw all tie together. Because, like, that was one of the things was uh, they got uh, Statham in the post-credit scene for Nine. And I'm interested to see where, where, like, Ryan Reynolds goes. Because he's a character that apparently we need to know about. (laughs) But I don't know. I'm having fun. Can't grow up fast and furious. It's safe to say we love the franchise. Yes. I mean, we watched them all in, what, like, two weeks? Why Why did we do that? Mm. Or we watched we watch a bulk of the franchise in a few weeks. Well, I think it just happened to be that a lot of our friends were coming over and we wanted to show it to them. Right? I can't remember. But yeah, we, we binged them all in like a, the course of like two weeks. Or most of them at least. I think from like four to eight. And we watched like extended vi- like versions and stuff like that. The extended that. versions... There's something satisfying about watching any extended version, I feel I like. I didn't cause even realize it was an extended version for like anything. The, these ones aren't so prominent... As far as like a director's cut or extended version would go, as say, I don't know, a lot of other extended edition movies. Yeah. But I don't know. There's something cool about saying I watched the extended edition. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There's something about like director's cut or something like that, which, yeah. I'm interested to see the when we watch Wrath of Khan for the pod and just for our enjoyment, yeah. what the director's cut adds. Because what do, what do you say, TJ? There's like. Five extra minutes. Five extra minutes. Uh, that's about it. I one thing I really wish with that movie. We're kind of running. Well, we'll close it up. We'll yeah. save it. We'll save what I was about to say for the Wrath of Khan pod. Up yeah. pod. Any other Fast and Furious points that you want to talk about? Uh, I'm excited for where the franchise goes next because I mean, I love these movies. They're so dumb and so funny. Totally agree with what you just said. Yeah. They said, I'm pretty sure there's going to be two left, though, right? Wasn't it going to be a part one, part two? I think so. I think they're doing kind of like the what John Wick is doing and what some of these, I feel like a few, like some other big franchise is doing. Infinity War did it. Yeah. Infinity War Endgame. I feel like there's something else like upcoming that's doing a part one, part two, like finale thing. I don't remember what. Um, Yeah, like Endgame and Harry Potter did. Um, I, I like that trend. That trend yes. I hope continues. Yes, you can't go wrong with the part one, part two. As long as they do it right, of course, and they have an, and they have enough content oh. to do it. Duh, it's Dune. <laughs> oh yeah, Dune. Um, but uh, yeah, I it's mean, something. It 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 allows you to actually go crazy. It allows you to go crazy, and that's what the other one's Mission Impossible Seven and Eight are gonna be like a two parter. Right. That's what it is. It allows them to harness some of the ability that TV shows have with time. Yes. And that's good to see. Because logically, and if you actually know, if you think about the two different movie or storytelling formats, TV sh- television shows obviously have more time to do develop stories. Yeah. And as I just mentioned, the part one, part two um, bridges the gap more between between yeah. the the two yeah 
Yeah, I think I've, what you said is perfect there, TJ. Just be sure to follow us on Letterbox. Yeah. Those will be the links will be down below for Letterbox. And follow us on Instagram, Manic, Manic Movie Misfits Pod. Yeah. Where we'll be posting movie clips that pertain to the episode that we're talking about, and Stand letting up. you know when episodes are up. Yeah. And of course, we're on every we're everywhere. We're Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the other random podcast apps that I never have memorized or care about, but Google? you might care about them. Google, yes. That's that's <laughs> that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's all. Well, uh, what, do we have an idea for the next episode? Oh, right. We have no. My name is Nobody. Yeah. And maybe we'll finally actually get to talk about The Breakfast Club if I actually can watch it. Yes. Finally. Finally. Do it. Yes, it's I will. Good. I love the movie. That is that. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Manic Movie Misfits podcast. Yeah. See ya. <laughs>